7.30 means it's time to check in live on the telephone with R.W. Estella. Good morning, R.W. Hey, good morning, Allison. We're officially in it. As of 7.21 last night, spring, or the vernal equinox, when the sun crosses the equator into the northern celestial hemisphere for the spring and summer seasons. The night before, as if to herald the advent of a new landscape expected in the not-too-distant future, we had the brightest full moon because it was the closest in 18 years, the Lenten moon, also known as the Crow moon, the Sap moon, and the Worm moon. On Wednesday, we'll have the 171st anniversary of the first photograph of the moon. More of our day is light than dark now, with 12 hours and 11 minutes of daylight. And by the end of the week, our sunsets will be happening after 7 o'clock at night. Always a good sign that winter is on the wane and soon won't worry us for a while. I had an additional little preview of that change the other afternoon when I was working up some firewood. The near end of the pile of already cut and split wood had lately, by the occasional thaw, been freed of snow and ice. So I broke loose some nice candidates for the fireplace. My girlfriend was making our traditional cabbage and corned beef stew for St. Patrick's Day dinner, and she wanted a nice fire in the hearth to accompany her effort. Some of the wood had had several years of seasoning, with the bark falling free as I picked up the pieces. Occasionally I'd see a centipede drop out and scurry for cover back into what was left of the pile. By the time I got to the bottom layer of the cordwood, which had been molded into the frozen muck, I had to knock the pieces loose with the maul, and when I did, I would inadvertently expose soft patches of mud and wake up a previously slumbering earthworm. Feeling guilty, I'd kick together a new cover of wood chips and loose soil for the slowly wriggling creatures. Always in these instances, I marvel at the implacable tenacity of life on the tundra. Just out of eyeshot, perhaps covered by a layer of leaves or a swatch of snow or hunkering in a rotting stump, will be entire hidden communities, such as the big, black, lethargic carpenter ants that fell out of one hunk of old pine I had planned to use for kindling. They are vignettes of vitality, these experiences where we enter familiar territory to find unfamiliar realms, like searching our senses for sonnets. In 1923, the poet E.E. E. Cummings' first volume of poems, titled Tulips and Chimneys, was published. It is sectioned into groups of sonnets in sequence, and one of the groups is called Chanson Innocent, the lead sonnet for which begins, In just spring, when the world is mud-luscious, the little lame balloon man whistles far and wee. Cummings attempts to capture the burgeoning life of spring in the images that follow in the poem. And Eddie and Bill come running from marbles and piracies, and it's spring when the world is puddle-wonderful. But he juxtaposes those elements of spring, which we don't always see so clearly, but sense nevertheless, those constituents that might be just behind the next panel in just spring. The queer old balloon man whistles far, and we and Betty and Isbel come dancing from hopscotch and jump rope, and it's spring, and the goat-footed balloon man whistles far, and we. For more on Maine, have a great day. Mm-hmm.